It's good to be in the house of the Lord, amen. It's good to be here. This is a precious place to me. A lot of worship here, you know. A lot of worship here over the years. Prayer. Me and my brother-in-law put up these walls here. <laughs> just a lot of memories here of God's work in this place. And, and I'm just uh, so happy you guys are here. This is, a, this is a precious thing to me that Kuhau is here in West Brighton. It's just, um, it does so much good for my, my heart. Uh, your pastor has been such a, an amazing friend to me. Like, there are, there are some friends you, just, you can just roll with anytime, anywhere, and laugh and cry and share and pray and trust. That's a beautiful thing to have in your pastor. And for me and many other pastors on Staten Island, Pastor Rowe has been a, just an, a, a man of integrity and love and, and just with an open heart for the, for the kingdom, and for the body of Christ. So I'm just, I'm overjoyed to be here today. And, uh, and Pastor Rowe shared with me uh, a couple days ago, and it just was one of the best uh, things anybody said to me a long time. He said, Dave, we saturated West Brighton. You can be saturated, West Brighton. But we, we went to every door. We went, we went knocking. We went the whole area here. And I got to tell you, you just lit my heart up. Lit my heart up. And so to be, and then Rose says, can you preach about saturation? I'm like, what? That's, that's all day long. And so I'm so happy to share um, just just the heart uh, that God has placed in me for saturating the, the world with the knowledge of Jesus as the waters cover the seas, you know, and he's placed it in you, right? You feel it, right? Once you go out there, you start to feel it like you feel the heart of God. When you're, when you're in motion with God, you feel the heart of God. You know, when, but when you're not in motion, you don't feel the heart. It's something strange about that. You know, when you're in motion with God, you start to feel His heart. You start to listen to God, and you you feel His heart. So, so I feel like I'm sharing with with um like not preaching to the choir, but encouraging the team. Like like I just want to encourage. Like this is a team that's on fire, and and I just want to encourage the work of God in your hearts today. And so, thank you for having me. I'm uh, honored to be here. So I, I want to talk. You know, the, the title of the sermon is As the Waters Cover the Sea. You know, that's the, that's the beautiful dream of Habakkuk too, right? Is that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. And so, so I, want, I want to share about that. And it's what we call a glorious vision. I'm going to go about five points here. The first four I'm going to go through real quick. Each point could be about an hour. But I just want to, I want to touch on the ark. The ark of saturation. There's an ark that you see in the Bible. We want to, I want to just walk through it. But the, the first ark, the first point is there is a glorious vision that God has placed in our hearts, you know. And, and the, the first one is, is we're going to start with this. For the knowledge, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And it's kind of similar to another passage that's really famous in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 3. When the, the it's, it says these angelic beings, they're called seraphim, these 
ancient worshiping beings were, were crying to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Holy, holy, holy. And, and people have said they would kind of shout it back and forth to each other and, and that it would fill the temple, this, this kind of resonant sound that would just go back and forth in this chorus in heaven. God is holy. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the word holy is, is like a word that means you'll never understand. Holy means separate. So, so every beautiful word we use, every, every word when we say, when we say wonderful, amazing, uh, um, glorious, just beyond imagination, God is saying that holy means whatever you could say, whatever you can dream, I'm beyond it. Whatever, whatever the wildest dreams you have about the beauty of God, he says, I'm holy, I'm, a, I'm beyond it, I'm above and beyond it. But then he says, one day the knowledge of my glory will be in every heart. There's going to be a day when the knowledge of my glory will cover the whole earth. And that's the promise we're talking about here. And the word glory is an interesting word because it means heavy. So, so glory means heavy. He's saying that the weight of this glory, the, the heaviness of this glory, the, the weight of all that is beautiful and good and, and wondrous and amazing, the weight of it is just going to fall on the earth. It's going to fall on the earth and it's going to bring healing. It's going to bring healing. You know, I've been in this neighborhood a long time and and sometimes you 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 know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist, but sometimes it takes a long time to for things to click. And uh, after a couple decades I realized, wow, this is the most violent kids in the neighborhood came from the most devastated homes in the neighborhood. Doesn't really take a rocket scientist, doesn't take a sociologist to realize the most dangerous kids in the neighborhood came from the most devastated homes in the neighborhood. What is a devastated home? It's a home without love. What can fill the void of some of the abuse, some of the evil, some of the abandonment issues? There is, there is nothing that can fill the void but the weight of the glory of God. The weight of something so beautiful, so eternal, so so beyond any description, that is the only thing capable of healing what is broken in this world. So there's nothing there's no nothing else you can give people. You know, like, there's a, there's great initiatives, you know, like Jody Contento at, at PS78 has put in washing machines in the elementary school to help the kids who don't have water. What a beautiful initiative, you know. These are, there's a beautiful things we do. There's all sorts of social services we bring to the table that, that help people in, in crisis and, and help them through difficult times. We have a food pantry here every two weeks feeding hundreds and hundreds of people all the time. But, but how can you heal a broken soul? What, what can heal that? Only somebody who's holy. Only, only the weight of that, the weight of love, eternal love can come in and just make all things new. So you need a glorious vision. You say, wow, I want this, I want this beauty, this glory, this wonder, this healing power to cover the earth. And when you feel it, you just want it. 
once, once you feel it, it just happens pretty quickly. You're like, this isn't just for me. This is, this is too powerful to be just for me. Just let it flow. So you need a glorious vision, a glorious vision. But, but you need a glorious passion You need a glorious passion to just keep fueling that vision. And and the the one verse that I would say is just such a powerful verse for this passion. Honestly, it was the verse that grabbed me as a young man and set me on a course towards Christ from from 16 years old and onward. It was this verse. It just, I I, I don't know what happened. It just captured my heart. It was from 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, God made him who knew no sin... To be sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God made Jesus, who was holy, 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 altogether beautiful and glorious. He Just the most holy, the most beautiful, the most wondrous one. He made him to be the ugliest, most broken one. Made him who knew no sin to become sin. So that we could be given the righteousness of God. So he swallowed all the evil. All the evil in the world. Imagine that. Imagine swallowing all the evil in the world. So much evil. We, the Bible says in the last days because of the increase in wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Because it's so much evil you feel like you're drowning in it. You can't watch the news. You can't, you can't read. You can't watch social media because the evil just starts to drown you. Imagine swallowing All that evil, that's what Jesus did on the cross. He swallowed the evil. He swallowed the hell, the punishment we deserve for it. He he just took it all in himself. And then he gave us paradise. I mean, this this is something to impassion your soul. This is something to fire up your soul. Keep it, keep the vision fresh and keep the reason fresh. Why am I doing what I do? Because he who knew no sin became sin, that I might become the righteousness of God in him. So we got glorious vision, we got glorious passion, and then there's glorious power. So, so you know, the, the, in, in Colossians, it comes down to this one small verse. In Colossians 1.27, it says, Christ is in you, the hope of glory. So, so the hope for the glory of God filling the earth is Christ in you. So, so the same, the same holy, holy, holy one has made his home in you and me. That's crazy, right? I mean, but that's, you know, follow the sequence. He swallowed all the sin, and then he gave us not only paradise, he gave us his holiness. So now the, now the king of the universe, the most holy one, the most beautiful one, has made his home within us, Christ in you the hope of glory. So, so you don't have to feel like, oh, this is overwhelming. We, you know, we, 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 this, this is an impossible task. Nothing's impossible when the king of the universe is, is, has made his home within you. Nothing's impossible. You, I, I don't know how it's going to ro- roll out. You know, even when we don't see it, it's just happening. We just, we just got to keep walking, but God's going to make it happen. So if there's a glorious vision, glorious passion, glorious power of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Then Romans 8 says this, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. So even if you came in here just dead, just broken, 
his resurrection power is just ever raising you and raising you. We, how, many, how many of you have had a thousand days where you're like, I'm done? And here you are worshiping God. I, doesn't make sense, right? How many, we've, we've all had them, but, but there's a resurrection power that's in every one of us. There's a, a power in the name of Jesus. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies, to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living in you. I'm going to go a little more. I, I want to keep this quick. But he says, but Ephesians chapter 1 says, that when Christ, Christ was, was raised from the dead, he was seated at the right hand above all, all dominion, all power, all rule and authority, and above every name that is to be named. So the same power that is above all rule, dominion, authority is in you. That's, that's us. I mean, so never underestimate yourself. Never, never, you know, never let anybody tell you you're nothing. That's ridiculous. You, you, there's so much wonder inside you. If you let the light shine, you'll see it. If, once you let the light, you know, how many of you were walking the streets and you said, I got nothing to give? And then you knocked on the door and somebody said, Yeah, I really need some prayer. And before you know it, they're weeping in your arms and you're like, Whoa, I just, who the heck am I? I what would I? But I, you just put a hand and you prayed. And, and, and it's not, and you realize it's not me. It's not me. It's, it's, there's something holy going on inside me that I don't understand. And it flows in this healing. I mean, sometimes I, I, I get phone calls. Pastors get phone calls. I got a phone call. It's from Ronti, my friend Ronti out in Stapleton. He said, Pastor Dave, we need you in Stapleton. He said, a 17-year-old boy just jumped off the roof. Says, come on, can you come on over? So I, I, I'll roll over there, and, and I'm West Brighton, right? Can you? I, I'm, this is my, this is my, you know, I, I'm West Brighton, but I know a little bit of, of Stapleton, but not as much as West Brighton. So I go over there, and it's like Rikers Island over there sometimes, right? It's just, it's just like the, the devil's really tried to bring oppression, even physically. It's just oppressing. I, I go in there. It's dark at night, and and there's just this sorrow in the in the atmosphere. And I I'm walking into the Stapleton houses, and I hear a scream from the balcony. I hear a scream like a like a wail. One of the most terrifying wails, and it was the mother who just got the news her son just died. And, and there she is. She's on the way, and I'm like, and it's up on the sixth floor. I'm like, I got to go upstairs. I'm like, what the heck? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know, you just, but you just know you got to go. You have to go. You can't not go. So I, I, so I, I go up the elevator, I go up the stairs, like 50, middle of COVID, right? 50 young guns there, you know, do rags, and, and, and there was, I don't know, it was, looked like it was all red, a lot of red over there. But anyway, I, I go in there, and there's so much rage and anger and frustration, and, and I'm just standing there. I'm just standing there like, just, I don't know, Lord, but I'm here. Are you ready to do that, to say, I don't know what... I'm supposed to do, but I'm here. I'm, he I'm just here. I got no answers, but I'm here. And the, the mother sees me. She says, you're the pastor. You're the pastor, right? I says, yeah. She said, you've been here. Because we did a lot of COVID relief over there. 
She said, you've been here. She says, everybody shut up. Every sh everybody shut up. The pastor's going to pray for us. The pastor's going to pray. I just put my, put my hands out over this broken community and I prayed. And I welcomed Jesus to be the healer. And the Prince of Peace came. The Prince of Peace came. He comes when we go. He comes when we're there. But you got to be there. We have glorious power. And sometimes it's untapped because we say, I got nothing to give, so I'm not going to go. Sometimes it just doesn't flow because we don't go. But we have a glorious mission. So I'm, I'm keep going. We got a glorious vision, glorious path. I couldn't make it rhyme, so I just put glorious in the top of everything, bro. Is that cool? So <laughs> we got a glorious vision, passion, vision. We got glorious passion, glorious power, glorious mission. This is what Jesus said when he first started his ministry, and we still lose it. We still don't even, don't even, don't even just take it in and walk in this way. Doesn't it make any sense? So much evil has hijacked the church, and I apologize. I apologize for how, how much evil has hijacked the church in the name of politics, in the name of power, in, in the name of, of, of evil. I apologize for what the devil has done to hijack the beauty of the church. Look at what Jesus said when he first started his ministry. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind and to set it free those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what Jesus came to do. And that was meant to be the way we replicate the gospel. When, when the Bible tells us all authority has been given to me and go and preach the gospel to all nations, making disciples of all nations, we were supposed to replicate this everywhere. This is the gospel. This is the principle of first things. We start with this. This is what we do. We share the good news that God in Christ has forgiven us for all our sins. That he's washed away everything we've ever done wrong. In, by his blood, he's come to heal us. He's come, the holy, holy, holy one has, has called us his precious children, his beloved bride. So we don't go trembling to God like, oh, I can't, I can't look, I can't. You're so, he, when we come to, come to him, he opens his arms like, like, like grandma on Thanksgiving morning for the kids coming. It's just like, come here, baby. Come here, baby. That's what, that's our God. He's saying, come on home. He's saying, welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. We have a glorious mission. We have a glorious mission to share with the world. Good news to the poor. Liberty to captives. Recovery of sight to the blind. Freedom for the oppressed. And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is our mission. But I want to land on. What's the method then? 
how do we do this? The Bible lays out some methods that I want to that I just want to talk about today, and then and then then close with how it, it's affected, how it's personally affected me. The, the one of the most important methods is from John 17, verse 22 to 23. It says, "I have given them my glory." There it is, glory again. I have given them the weight of my glory, the fullness of my majesty, the the wonders of my beauty. I've given it all to you. It's, It's all ours. I have given them the glory that you gave me. But look at this one. This is the tricky one. That they may be one. Like I've given them so much, so much power. So much grace, so much beauty that they may be one. That's hard, right? Anybody you have drama with anybody right now? Anybody have, have, a, have a challenge with a brother or a sister here or there? Some of you are, some of you are afraid of Thanksgiving dinner, right? Like, oh man, I got to see Uncle. Uh, you know, like some of you, we got, there, there are challenges, but, but in Christ, he's saying, saying you got to come together as one let my grace wash over you that you that that your love might wash over the brokenness in your relationships he's saying i've given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one i in them and you in me that they may be brought to complete unity then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, and have loved them even as you have loved me. Are you catching that? He's saying when, when we are one, the whole world will know the glory of the love of God. They're going to they're gonna feel it. They're going to feel the, he's saying, they're going to feel the love that you have for me when my children walk as walk in oneness. So I believe this. This, this is this is just to, to go into some of the method of what God has placed in our hearts with the Jesus Week and the Saturate Movement. It's what would it look like if five to fifteen churches in every zip code walked as one? You know, what if, what if Pastor Rowe, or, or every community district, whatever, you know? What if Pastor Rowe and Pastor John, my dear friend, we're all dear friends, right? And, and, and Pastor Ephraim down the block, and Pastor Yolanda over there. What if we all just rolled as one family? What if we rolled as one family, and, and together, you know, the, the, the crew house saturates a, t- a 1,500 homes here, and, you know, and Pastor Yolanda res- res- at Rescue does 2,000 homes over here, Pastor John does 600 homes, and all of a sudden, Ephraim does all the Spanish homes, you know, <laughs> what, whatever it is, and we all start rolling together as one, that there are no sheep without a shepherd here in 10310. That nobody's, nobody commits suicide because of loneliness on my zip code. Nobody here in my zip code commits suicide because of loneliness. My friend Melissa over here, Melissa Thomas, extraordinary woman of God. 
extraordinary. And she, she, she works for the councilwoman's office, and she gets the call when, when all hell breaks loose. She called me yesterday. She said, there's 18 children that are homeless now because of a fire in Arlington. And we're, try, we're trying to get resources for them. We're trying to get housing for them. We're try, then, then, then the mother of one of the children just died. So we need the body of Christ like immediately, not just, not talking about, I'm not talking like this is, a, you know, something we should think about, like immediately, right, Melissa? Like immediately. So I called Pastor Henry. I called Pastor Al in Arlington, in Mariners Harbor. I said, we need the body over there. Sometimes we need a full wrap. Sometimes we're going to say, say, Ro, Pastor Kuhau, can we all roll to take care of this family? Because they need, like, they need a hundred people around them right now to lift them up in healing. And we come together as one. That no, no family should go through that alone. The method. Jesus said, and then when I, I just shared it earlier, but I'll, I'll go over the verse. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. The, the, the word compassion is like his, his guts turned inside out. It's like, it's a, it's a really like, a, a, almost like a, a surgery word. Like his guts were, his, his stomach turned within him. He said, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send workers into his harvest field we we didn't re, we didn't realize this like i don't think anybody realizes what a, uh, an insane place new york city is do you know that that most of the zip codes in new york city are larger than 95% of the cities in america or at least 90% there's, there's, there's zip codes of 50, 70, 60, 100,000 people in New York City. And, and you, you look at the, the, the stats of all the cities in America and you say, oh my gosh, most of these zip codes are bigger than, these, than any. Some cities, you know, in, in Waukesha, like 2,000 people. You know, there's these cities that, and we realize we, every zip code is a city. And, and it seems that, like it's an impossible test. I used to think Staten Island was small beans, right? It's 500, uh, yeah, it's like we're like the little kid in the block. We're like a little part. But Staten Island would be like, I think it's like the 40th largest city in America. So we don't understand the beast that New York City is. But God, God put something in our hearts. We just said, what would it look like if we saturated? How can we saturate New York City with the gospel? How, how's it possible? Is it possible? So we, we, just asked, we just did the math. The math is if 1,500 churches, everybody say 1,500. 1,500 churches. I can't hear you. 1,500 churches <laughs> adopted 2,000 homes. Say it with me. No sheep without a shepherd. Say it again. No sheep without a shepherd. One more time, no sheep without a shepherd in New York City. Can you imagine that? That's like nothing. I think we get eight or 9,000 churches in New York City. All we need is a remnant. 
to say in Jesus' name, we're going to make sure 1,500 homes around us are loved on and cared for in Jesus' name, that there will be no suicides because of loneliness, there will be no illiterate second graders, there will no, be no disconnected youth and, and families in distress without the church being right there around them. And New York City, the largest city in America by far, will be saturated with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. Amen? It's a method here. The Bible, the Bible's laid it out. I'm going to skip this verse because I'm going to go into it later. Because Acts 1.8 is, is, I still got time, Ro. Praise God. You know, Ro gave me 45 minutes. Most, most of the time a church will give you 20 minutes. And it's like, and I'm just like, oh, how do I say anything in 20 minutes? That's my introduction. I'm so happy I got time here. Just thank you. I just want to say thank you. For people that still have an attention span. <laughs> Hallelujah. So uh, the method, and this is really important. And, and Emily, you sang it. We didn't even talk about this. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord in the face of Christ. So my, my friend David Bryan said to me, he said, said, David, the only other time in Scripture that the, the phrase from Habakkuk is repeated in this way is right here. So, so you look at, you, you merge together the verse from Habakkuk, for the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the, as the waters cover the sea. You merge it together with 2 Corinthians and it says something like this, for the knowledge of the glory of the Lord in the face of Christ will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. But you know the context of this passage. The context of the passage is that it says that just the same way that Moses shone with the glory of the Lord from his face-to-face -face experience with Moses, you're shining with the glory of the Lord in the face of Christ. So who's got the face of Christ? Everybody say, me. Me. You are the face of Christ. When you go, when you're present, when you, when you go to, to, to pray, to bless, to worship, when you bring your face, you're bringing the face of Christ. You are the face, you are the presence, you are the hands, the feet, and the face of Christ. So the knowledge of the glory of the Lord in the face of Christ, which has been implanted, which, which has been placed on us, is covering the earth right now. You are the face of Christ. You are the ambassadors of Christ. You are the absolute representation of his glory, his beauty, his image. You have the fullness of his spirit. The, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. This is glorious. You are glorious. You are not weak. You are not helpless. You are not incapable. God has made you sufficient. God has made you glorious. God has made you powerful. Love him for it and walk in his ways. But it's, very, it's fascinating. So when you started singing this, Emily, I'm like, oh, the Lord. I just felt the Lord moving over the waters here. You know, show me your face. Show me. You know, the, the community is saying, show me your face, Lord. The community is singing that, show me your face. 
Jesus, show me your face. And then, I, I, I'll, you know, sometimes I would go knock on the doors. For, uh, Ken, Ken, Kendra, how many years did I knock on doors in West Pride? About seven years or so. Eight, maybe. Eight and nine. You know, so, I mean, Kendra, when I first knocked on your door, you weren't happy to see me. But, <laughs> but then we became BFFs, right? We became such dear friends. You know, so sometimes it's the face of Christ. At first, you don't get a, a big, warm embrace. But if you go back... With love, God makes you family. And you bring the face of Christ. You just become the face of Christ in the community. Sometimes, so many times I would knock on a door and somebody would answer and say, Pastor Dave, I was on my knees. I was on my knees earlier today saying, God, if you don't show up, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then, and I, and I would say to them, I say, you know, the Lord ordains our footsteps he sent me here to tell you he heard your prayer and he's here for you. He's here for you and he loves you. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord in the face of Christ, in the face of Kuhau, in the face of each one of you. Praise God. But this is fascinating. It says, but we have this treasure in Jars of clay. We, he's saying, we have this treasure, this glory, this power in these fragile. How many of you feel a little bit fragile here and there once in a while? I'll say it. I feel fragile very often. Very often. It's like you feel like, you feel like things are just so, so crazy and difficult sometimes. There's a fragility that we all have. He's saying, it's okay. It's okay. Don't ever despise your fragility because the worst thing to be in the, in, in the Word of God is prideful, like I got this. You know in the movie when everybody, anybody says I got this, they're going down, right? Any movie, no matter second, I don't care what it is, as soon as somebody says I got this, it's, it's over for them. As soon as you as a person of God say I got this, you're done. You don't got it. We don't got nothing, but we have Jesus. Jesus got this. Jesus, and so when we, when we walk in with the awareness of our fragility, and we just say, God, I, I got nothing but you. So just, I just, it just want to be less of me and more of you right now. Come fill this place. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. How much has arrogance poisoned the church? I'm sorry, I, I don't want to call it out, but, but if I was walking around and $3,000 sneakers up here, I'm sorry, but you could throw me off the pulpit. You could throw me off the pulpit. If I'm, like, if I'm flashing my $4,000, you could throw me off the pulpit and say, bro, go, go do your modeling job, but don't do that. Because that money could go to this family of 18 kids. We can get it. We can start them with a deposit for an apartment. Don't do that. Don't do that garbage. We're not, it's not about us. says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. So it's, it's a fragile power. 
Don't ever feel bad about it. That you, you feel, I, don't, I don't feel like I have any strength. That's a good place to be as long as you're saying, but I'm willing for God to use me. Yeah. I, w- I was listening to the Pastor Rose sermon the other day. I, 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 was, I didn't like listening to it because I'm like, I cannot... I cannot preach like that, brother. I'm like, I'm like, man, he he just rolls. But it's the power of one, you know. It starts with one, and 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 you know, I I got to be straight with you. My my life goes back way beyond. I was born right. Everything starts with one, and sometimes it starts with clay, and sometimes it starts with dust. You know, my mom's a my mom's a dust child. My mom, my, they labeled my mom a dust child. My mom's Korean. She's born in Asia. She's a dust child. What does that mean? In Asia, that meant you're not worth the dust under our feet. If you're a dust child. She was, she was nothing because when she was a kid, she contracted polio. Her family was really rich, and they, were, they really had it going on. They were like the pride. They, they would strut around town like they, they owned everything. But then when their little daughter came with polio, and she's, she's like this, they're like, oh, let's put her in the back room. Let's put her away. Let's, let's hide. Hyunsuk, we're going to hide you over here. Hyunsuk, we don't want you going to school anymore because all the, all the village parents are talking about you. They hid her away. But then when the communist army invaded her hometown, it got a thousand times worse. Because they come into her village and her parents had a talk with her. They said, Hyunsuk, we're going to take your four sisters and escape right now. But we want you to stay behind. You take care of the house over here. We're going to go right now. So they abandoned her and left her to die as, a, as a, oh, the horrific North Korean communist army is invading her village. They leave. There she is. Just, just uh, She was dust. She didn't mean anything to them. She, she didn't, wasn't worth the dust under their feet. She knew if she stayed because her father had political connections that she'd be dead. So she decided in the middle of the night, you know what? I'm going to try to escape. Let me just, maybe I can just start over. And she just, in the middle of the night, she just hatches a plan to, to hobble her way over to the Han River Bridge. She said, maybe if I make it to the bridge over there, the other side is South Korean territory. The American army's coming in. Maybe I can start a new life. She, she hobbles her way over. It's the middle of the night. And bombs are blowing up. And people are screaming. It's like hell. She gets to the bridge finally. And the army got there before her and blew the bridge up. So she falls in the riverbank. She just lays back on the riverbank. And she just, she just loses it. She says, I'm, I'm done. She said. She prays her first prayer. She was an atheist, but sometimes you just pray, right? Sometimes you just pray. She said, God, if, if you even exist, if you're really there, if Jesus, if you really do care about me, like those stories, he said, please kill me. Please end my life right now because this is it. I'm, I'm not going any further. Please end it. But then she added one more prayer. That's why I'm here today. She said, but if you can use a wretch like me, if you can use a dust child like me, if you can use a throwaway like me, anybody got something they want to put in there? If, it can, if you can use a piece, what do you want to say? If you can use me, save me, and I'll serve you.
And immediately two hands came up from behind her and lifted her up. She looked back to see who was pushing her up. She didn't see anybody there. She realized Almighty God heard the prayers of the loneliest, loneliest and most forsaken girl in all of Asia. There she was, abandoned by culture, by family, by, by the village, by every, everybody, but not by Jesus. Because Jesus has no dust children. Jesus has no dust children. He only has beloved, beloved, precious ones. And that's each one of you. And that's each one of them. That's each one in our community. That's each one in our city. The story burned in my life. I'm, my mother must have shared, I must have heard my mother tell it a thousand times. Shared her story. So when God called me to ministry as a young man, I said, I said, God, where are the dust children of New York City? Where are the dust? Because God moved us here. It's a longer story. Well, no, I should tell you. That we, my, my parents lived in Alaska. Do I have time? Ah, I might have time. No. <laughs> my, my parents, my, my mother got sponsored to Alaska. She started a beautiful life in Alaska. Married my husband, my, my, my father. <laughs> married my father. And uh, married my father and had me and my, my sister. And their life was good. They owned a home. They were, they were putting away 100 bucks a week. They were like in the 60s. They were, they were rocking. You know, they, everything was going well for them. They finally had a new life. And God... God spoke to them and said, I want, I want you to move to New York City. But God spoke clearly. I want you to move to New York City. It's going to be a long, dark tunnel. But Jesus will be at the end of the tunnel. So they obeyed. They obeyed God. So it was kind of a wild twist of things when we purchased our church facility on 77 Alaska Street. Uh, kind of a wild, wild hand of love, right? And from this house, right? So much love has filled Staten Island. So much love has filled New York City. So much love has filled it. From this place, this little place in the hood. But we, we bought this place when it was wild, wild West Brighton. When it had like the second highest murder rate in New York City. In this area, we and we we just felt like this is where the this is where we should be. This is where God would. This is where Jesus would put a church, right? So we started a church here, and and as soon as we, you know, be careful. Let me give you a warning. As soon as you step in, the devil steps out at you. So so just be aware. As soon as we stepped in here, the murders went off the wall. The murders, murders went crazy, and there was murders here and there, and there was a drive-by shooting in front of PS18 right over there in the, in the middle of the day. The kids are coming out of elementary school. A guy was gunned down over there, and here we are in our little church, you know, and, and my, my people, my, I had about like 50 or 60 people, they're running like flies. They're, they're, fly, they're, they're going for the hills, you know. They're like, Pastor Dave, we can't stay in here. And I prayed. I said, Lord, I said, do not let me be ashamed. Don't let my enemies triumph over me. Don't let me be ashamed. And, and, and sometimes old preachers like us that used to have something called Bibles. You ever see those things, the paper ones? Sometimes the old, the old people like us. You're missing out, though, because every once in a while, you got to do what I'm talking about. Every once in a while, not all the time because it's going to get heretical, but every once in a while, you just got to go, Jesus and you open. Anybody ever do that? Okay. Old timers, old timers. Sometimes you got to do it just because you, 
and I opened up to Joel chapter 2. It said, blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a holy assembly, gather the people, gather the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants, let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests The ministers of the Lord weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the people, Where is their God? Why should people say, Where is their God? So we called for a week of fasting and prayer. And our little church, smaller than yours right now, Little churches said, we stood together. We had a week of fasting and prayer. First week in in 2000, in January, we said, in Jesus' name, we bind the spirit of murderous rage in West Brighton. In Jesus' name, we say no more murders in West Brighton. And hallelujah, the epidemic of murder stopped that very week. And... And Kendra, how many years, you were there back in the, in the Wild Wild West Brighton days, right? The murder rate's down about 97%. Am I, am I about right? About 97% over 24 years now. God, it, God just did something holy because he's mighty. He's mighty to save. And we started to dream. We started to say, wow, if God can do that here, he can do it anywhere. We started encouraging everybody to adopt a housing project, and six housing projects were adopted across the North Shore. And then, then it just grew and grew. It said, what if everybody, as an Acts 1-8 plan, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, what if everybody adopted a neighborhood, a school, a housing project, and an ethnic group? What if five to 15 churches in every zip code work together to say, this neighborhood will be loved on, this school will be loved on, this public housing community will be loved on, this immigrant group will be loved on? What if they all work together like one man contending for the faith? What would happen in our city? What would happen in our city? And as soon as we started to speak the dream, God kissed the dream. I'm telling you, how many of you know that Pastor Dave is the biggest book distributor in the nation right now? No, We have distributed about $60 million worth of gospel resources. And they keep coming. We get about 20 to 20 tractor trailer loads of a year. And we just keep sharing it further and further. Just as a tool in your hands to go door to door. Like the the the, um, the gospel of John. We got 2.5 million in our warehouse right now. And God just keeps supplying. So door to door we can say in Jesus name we love you. Here's a gift for you. Can I pray for you? We, we want to welcome you to a house of love. You're welcome here. You're, you're, uh, you're, you're welcome here because we're a community church, so this is your church. You're always welcome here. This is home for you. As the waters cover the seas. For the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will in the face of of Christ. I want you to put your hand on your face like this. Say it with me. For the knowledge of the glory of the Lord in the face of Christ 
will cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. Will cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. Hallelujah. Give praise. Give praise to God. Give praise to God.